we do, guys? We are back with another episode of the Bottlers Buckets Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Luke. And today we are going to recap what has been happening in the NBA this past month. But before before that, how have you been? How have you been? Yeah, I've been good, mate. Just taking everything in there at a time. Yeah. yeah. What's going on with you? Uh, not, nothing much. I mean, nothing too exciting in that's happening. But yeah, yeah, like you... Just been taking it day by day. Let's get things started. The 2020 NBA draft was held in an unconventional way as all of the prospects were at home with their families due to COVID-19. Therefore, the draft was held through a conference call. The draft started off with Anthony Edwards taking us the number one pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves, followed by James Wiseman going to the Golden State Warriors and LaMelo Ball going to the Charlotte Hornets and so on. So, let's get into this. My question for you. Out of the top three picks, who has the most pressure performing to expectations? Okay, so we get we go through the teams, right? So, and those top three picks, obviously, with Minnesota and Golden State, Edwards and Wiseman, they're gonna, not going to be like that first or second option on the team. Like Golden State, you got Steph Curry, Kelly Oubre, they got Wiggs as well, and then you go to the Timberwolves. Obviously, you got D'Lo at the point, and then you got Cat in the middle. So I think. There's less pressure on Anthony Edwards than James Wiseman, so I'm going to go with Lamelo. Obviously, there's talk that he's probably going to start a point guard alongside uh, Devontae Graham for Charlotte, so I feel like with the amount of hype and talent expectations that have come with Lamelo, I think the most pressure is going to be on him, but I think all three, are obviously, there's pressure on them, obviously top three picks, but they're all going to do well in their own way, and they all fit their respective franchises, so I think they're going to be a real good asset to each of their teams. Yeah. First of all, congrats to all of them getting drafted. It's It hasn't been a good year for them, obviously, with this pandemic. But like you said, with Lamelo, yeah, to me, he's going to have the most pressure to perform into expectations. Not because, like you said before, but also the hype, because everyone knows about the ball family. Everyone knows, like, LaMelo can play. Obviously, he played in the NBL and won Rookie of the Year. But not only that, he got chosen by the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. Mm. With, with Michael Jordan, we know he's the greatest player of all time. But we also know he's not the greatest GM or owner of all time. Oh, that's for sure. No disrespect to MJ, but, like, I think there's a few decisions that could have been made like a bit better. In his time as GM of the Hornets, obviously they haven't panned out as well as his career did when he was playing in the NBA, but that's how things go. And also, if you look back at the draft, he drafted Kwame Brown. He must. He himself drafted Kwame Brown. And look what happened. That turned out to be a, one of the biggest busts in NBA history. In draft oh, yeah, for history. sure. Like... In draft history. So I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on Lamelo because not only he got drafted by Michael Jordan, also Jordan's history of drafting. The only person, the only player that he drafted that turned out to be a good player was Kemba Walker. But afterwards, it, it just went downhill from there. That's what I mean. Though. You you pick uh, like an all star caliber player in Kemba Walker. We didn't, didn't know that when they drafted him, but like they saw him develop as and develop into a superstar basically in his time with the Hornets, but they just failed to surround him with like the ideal supporting cast. Like with 
your franchise player like that, you got to support them in a way that will benefit the entire franchise. And what I think they made one playoff series in Kemba's time there in Charlotte, and then obviously signed with Boston at the end of last last season and took them to the conference finals alongside Brown and Tatum. But I guess with Lamelo, they got a good backcourt there, and with Ball and Devontae Graham, I'm not sure what they're doing with Terry Rozier, whether they'll trade him or if he'll come off the bench. But the way it's going, it looks like it's going to be Lamelo at the one, and they have to have Devontae at the two guards. So I think that's a nice backup, uh, nice backcourt there. But I think maybe defensively they could add some depth. But I think the most pressure, like we said, is on Lamelo Ball. But he's, I think knowing his talent and ability, he will rise to those expectations. He'll be, good. He'll be a good player for the Hornets. Oh, for sure. And not only that, I'm interested how LaVar and Michael will coexist. You rem- We remember when LaVar was calling out Michael saying he could beat one-on-one. Now the tables have turned. Now. Oh, there's that option there. You're like, you got I'm... old MJ and old LaVar Ball, but... Um... I, I want to see how they coexist. Or they, would it be like... I. On good terms or bad terms, you know. That's, that's the thing, though. You don't know how much interaction they're going to have. Obviously, now yeah. LiAngelo have picked up by Detroit today, so I think you're going to have. Obviously, you got your three boys in the NBA. You're doing something right, but obviously, you got Lonzo with the Pelicans, uh, Melo with the Horns, and now LiAngelo's with the Pistons. What kind of interactions are you going to have with each of those individual GMs? Obviously, there's a lot of the biggest hype is with Lamelo at the moment, so. I guess Lavar's going to lean towards the Hornets franchise and try and have his say on what goes on in Charlotte. Speaking of Leandro, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question: Which rookie should you look out for now? I guess from a biased Philadelphia point of view, I think Tyrus Maxey is a good player, but I feel like obviously there's less pressure on him. Uh, people have some mock drafts had him in like a lottery pick. So I think him dropping down to 21, he's going to be, he's going to be a good player alongside the likes of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I'm not sure whether Coach Rivers is going to use him as a six man. He might, he'll probably bring him off the bench. Obviously, it was rev- uh, leaked the other day from, I think it was Daryl Moore. He said the starting five is going to like Doc Rivers to play with is Simmons. Curry, Green, Harris, and Embiid. So obviously, Maxi will fit into that bench, but there's been a lot made about him. Um, another player I think could be Josh Green. Like alongside the Mavericks, they've added uh, Josh Richardson with that trade with Philly. I think a guard and a good player in Josh Green will fit nicely alongside. Luca and Chris Stapps, he won't be that main option, but I think maybe coming off the bench for, for Dallas, he could be a really good addition for that team. And you saw what the Mavericks did in the playoffs this season. Like yeah. Luca single handedly, what was it, 4 4 2 against the Clippers with a game winner. I think adding a good wing defender in Josh Richardson, and then you got Josh Green probably coming off the bench. I think. Just adds a little bit more depth to their team. Uh, I think 
Dallas are a good team. They're definitely a playoff team, but it's just a matter of how well each of their stars perform this year. But I'll pass it over to you. So who, who do you think the biggest, I guess, sleeper in the draft? It's kind of hard because you got like all of these talents. But I think a rookie to watch out for. I mean, it's hard because... Oh, no. I, I can say, like, who you should watch, but not, like, a, a specific rookie to look out for. Maybe who, who, should, who should you watch, then? Isaac Okoro. Yeah. Anoke Ogagu. Sorry if I can't pronounce your name. And Danny Aviti from Washington. Yeah. Just because Ro- Russell Westbrook is... On the Wizards now. That's right. Breaking news from Woj today was that uh, Houston has dealt Russ to Washington for John Wall. I think let's provide a take on that. What do you think of this trade? I don't know. I, I feel I feel like I know Houston pulled the plug on Russ, but I think in this situation Houston won this. With John Wall coming to Houston, yeah, he, they're, they're similar players, Luke. They're really mm. similar players. Absolutely. Obviously, with John Wall coming off from his injury, but they're just similar players. You can't, they're both athletic, they both can dunk, they both like driving to the basket most of the times. So, mm. really, you can't, I don't know. Houston wins in, in this one. That's what I mean though. When I saw the Warriors bomb today, I was like they basically traded for the same player. One's obviously coming off an injury. One's coming off maybe a, a down year again in his first year in Houston. But it, you just look at it now, like Russ got traded from OKC. That's a different situation because they went into rebuild mode, as you can see now, like trading for picks. They got rid of CP3, Danny Green. The amount of picks they got back was insane. But I think now being traded from Houston, the Harden and Westbrook experiment, they tried it and it didn't work. There's obviously a few front office changes for them this year, new coach, new GM. So sending the roster to Washington to be a go play alongside Bradley Beal, I think it's just it's a hard thing to, I guess, analyse. Obviously, John Wall now comes to Houston to ball-dominant players. Um I think Harden has a guy who can he can dish the ball to if he needs to. Obviously, I think John Wall's shot will be more consistent than Russ's, but he's coming off like two years out of the game. You see the pickup games that are on social media. He's, he looks like John Wall, so he says he's feeling good. He looks good. It's just a matter of how he performs come opening night with James Harden and the Rockets. Mm, not to mention Boogie, Boogie now in Houston now, which is a Kentucky, Kentucky reunion between Wall and Cousins. Yeah, so I think obviously the small ball lineup didn't work last season. So I think potentially Houston could go with DeMarcus at that starting five position. That's probably the way they're heading, knowing that small ball didn't work in today's NBA. Obviously, 29 of the 30 teams last season had a competent, and big starting center. So I think Houston struggled to contend with that at times. So I think this has opened their eyes a little bit more and gone with a traditional 
big man who can defend and play. Like nothing against PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, but they're just not centers per se. Mm. All right. When we come back, we will talk about the free agency as we recap the moves that were made during the offseason and we'll have a take on our thoughts on this year's free agency. We'll be back. Welcome back to the podcast. We move on to the free agency. As free agency comes to a close, we look back and recap the moves that were made during the offseason. So, your first thoughts on this year's free agency? I think, obviously, there's a few big teams that have made some big moves, obviously looking to improve their squad. Obviously, with the Bucks, uh, obviously not free agency, but trades for trading for a guy like Drew Holiday to go alongside Giannis. It can provide that ball distribution and outside shot. I think he's an improvement on Eric Bledsoe. Um, he'll be a good fit out uh, in New Orleans for the Pelicans. But I think with the Bucks, they've committed to surrounding Giannis with the right talent. Obviously, you got Chris Middleton there. But I think he could be better off as a third option. You never know. But Drew Holiday just adds, improves their team a little bit more. Um, the Lakers trading for Dennis Schroeder and signing like a big signing in Montrose Harrell. That's huge for for them in that I guess six man role for the Lakers. Um Schroeder can either start a point, come off the bench, just whatever Coach Vogel decides to do. Um I think a team team that people may be sleeping on, uh, or not sleeping on, but on the rise is Atlanta. They've made some moves to really improve their team. Like obviously you got two stars in or emerging stars in Trey Young and John Collins, but the signing of Gallo is huge for them. It provides spacing. And I think moving forward, that's, I guess that's going to benefit them. They could potentially slide into that eight seed. You never know. Um, and then obviously Philadelphia signing or trading for that shooting and committing to Simmons and Embiid. Obviously, Daryl Moore has come in, made some moves. Like you got Seth Curry, who's arguably the, one of the most efficient shooters of all time in the NBA. Um, and a guy like Danny Green provides that floor spacing and defense that they need. And then something that's really troubled the Sixers for the last couple of years is having a I guess, a really good backup centre to bring onto the court when Embiid comes off so that, I guess, the plus-minus and the efficiency and talent doesn't drop on the team. So signing Dwight Howard to that one-year deal, I think, is huge. So um, I think a few other signings, obviously, with Houston, obviously they've made a few trades and they've signed Boogie as well. Christian Wood, I think he's a really good, ta- he's a really good talent. Um, we saw him at the back end of the Pistons season, last season, really emerge as a star, obviously, without Blake Griffin. They traded away Drummond. He really took on that 
number one option role. And he was dominant for Detroit in the latter parts of that the season before it broke up for COVID reasons. Um, but yeah, any other signings that you thought were important for teams? Um, you re- basically covered everything, but the signing I feel like is underrated is probably that Steve Adams trade, Stephen Adams trade mm. going to New Orleans. I mean, obviously they do need a big man after well, AD leaving New Orleans for LA. Yeah. I think builds a void in that center position. That They had that big defensive presence, which is really huge for New Orleans because that's probably what they need at the moment. Absolutely. And you've got, they're probably going to start Zion at the four and Ingram at the three. And Stephen Adams provides that, I guess, veteran leadership that they lost in Drew Holiday, obviously, but He's a good starting centre for teams. You've seen him be the starting centre for the last, what, five-plus years in OKC, and there's never been a problem with him there. I guess it's also an improvement on Derek Favors. Uh, There's not much made of Favors at the Pelicans, so I think bringing in Stephen Adams, he's a guy that will play team-first basketball. Obviously, he's not worried about his stats. He can rebound the ball. He's a tough man to... I guess, handle. You've seen the hard picks that he set for Russ in his time in OKC. He's, like, he sat down Patrick Beverly. Um, but I think a good veteran, uh, defensive, and I guess good all-round player that the Pelicans need in that young environment. Mm. So as we discussed this, my questions are for you. Which teams were the winners and the losers of free agency during the offseason? Okay. Um, I guess if you look at it, um, an underrated team, I think, that people are sort of sleeping on is Portland. Obviously, you got um, Dame and CJ in the backcourt. They re-signed Carmelo Anthony and Rodney Hood. So, obviously, Hood missed majority of last season with that Achilles injury. I think it was. Um, that was a big blow for them because obviously in the season beforehand, he was a huge part of their rotation in the playoffs. Like he hit big shots in that, I think it was quadruple overtime game against the Nuggets in the conference semifinals. Um, and I just think this year they've had a real, really good year, I guess, building that team. Obviously injuries have hampered their production, but I guess you got a guy like Nurkic, and they add, add Robert Covington. That's a huge move for them. They also add Derek Jones Jr., who's, I guess, mainly known for his dunking ability, but he's a solid NBA player as well. Um, I guess they've got a lot of depth. And the emergence of a guy like Gary Trent Jr., you saw him in the bubble. He, he lived up from the arc. And he's a, a solid defensive player as well. Um, we've sort of touched on Atlanta and Philadelphia, so... We know that they can be seen as winners during this free agency period, um, adding key players in key positions that will benefit their team moving forward. Um, I guess other moves that are of note, um, Gordon Hayward. I'm not going to say it's a big winning move for Charlotte, but they pay too the, uh, there's a big overpayment there for the Hornets. Obviously, he's a veteran player. He's looking to be that 
number one option again at the Hornets. It's unlikely, but paying Gordon Hayward four years, 120 million. That's a big payout from MJ again. Obviously, a few big contracts have been paid out in the past few seasons. Obviously, they got they paid Luol Deng for four years, 72 million. Timothy Mosgrove, four years, 64 million. Terry Rozier seems like a bit of an overpay as well for a guy that I guess on most teams would come off the bench, like three years, $56 million. And that was maybe a mistake last season. Obviously, they lost a guy like Kemba Walker, but I guess they could have added and worked their roster a little bit better. Um, Obviously, the emergence of Devontae Graham last season as a legit NBA player, I think, will really benefit the Hornets moving forward. But I'm not sure about this Hayward contract. I guess it's another one of those annual, I guess, overpayment salaries. Obviously, last season, as the season wore on, you know, you saw the overpayment from Philly for Al Horford. I mean, it just didn't work in the system. And him being traded to OKC is going to help with their rebuild. Obviously, he's going to replace Stephen Adams. He's a veteran leadership for that team. Um I think he'll be a solid player on that team as well. Um, and then Bogey went to Atlanta. Like, obviously, there was a trade that was said that he was going to Milwaukee to join Giannis in the box, but that fell through. And he said he's opted to go into free agency, sign with Atlanta. And I think he's going to be another great addition to that team. Obviously, adding that's floor spacing in Gallo and now Bogdanovich. They're going to be a solid team, the Hawks. Another move that is significant this offseason is Serge Barker. Like, the Clippers lost Montrez Harrell to the Lakers and adding a guy like Ibaka is going to be huge for that team. Like, he's a solid big man. I guess one thing they need is a point guard that can distribute the ball. Obviously, they've got Patrick Beverly. He's more of a 3-and-D pest in the NBA. He's not your typical point guard that's going to distribute the ball to your Kawhi Leonard, your Paul Georges. Uh, so I think that's one, I guess, move that they have to look at and improving on that point guard position. Mm. Who would you say are the losers? I guess it's a tough one. Um, there's a few moves that have been made that really haven't benefited teams. I guess, obviously, we touched on the Hornets. Um, I guess we look at the Eastern Conference, obviously. Uh, the Celtics, Heat, Bucks, uh, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. They're your top five teams easily in the Eastern Conference. But I think the Celtics adding a guy like Tristan Thompson, that's a solid move for them. Um But in terms of losers, it's a hard one to find. Obviously, a lot of moves have been made in the offseason. I don't know, man. I think it's hard to find teams that have gotten worse in the offseason. Like, there's been a lot of moves made that can improve on teams. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Backtrack on the Gordon Hayward move. Yes, they did overpay him, but we all... He was a former All-Star before he got injured. If he re-emerges as an All-Star, then that money is worth it. But I think one of the winners of this free agency would be Atlanta. Mm. One, because they got Bogdanovich, Gallinari, mm. 
Osley, the rookie, Anaka Ogaku, and they got a young Trey Young who's developing into a superstar. Well, not superstar yet, into a star of his mm. own. The second coming of Steph Curry, and also that's a as, big, as a big take. That's a big take, and also Chris Paul going to Phoenix. Obviously, Chris, obviously Phoenix needed that point guard, that one point guard. Ever since Nash left, they they needed that veteran leadership to guide a young. Phoenix yeah, that's a huge move for the Suns. Obviously, you got Booker and Aiton, and then Chris Paul will improve on Ricky Rubio, who they had last season. They almost made the playoffs. You put Chris Paul in there, they're basically a lock for the playoffs as long as they can produce like they did last season. Yeah. So I think that's a big move for mm. Phoenix if they want the playoff push. And third one, some of you are going to... Oh, boys. Some of you are going to be throwing questions. Golden State Warriors. I know they didn't they lost Clay Thompson, but adding Kelly Oubre to the team helps them out the defensively and offensively. Yes, they don't have the shooting that Clay has, but if you add a Kelly Oubre, a three and D player, a two two way player, I think you can help your team out a bit. When he, when we saw him in Phoenix, he was producing great numbers on a Phoenix Suns team that were fighting for that eighth position. Unfortunately, they didn't get it. But I'm just saying, Kelly Oubre with Steve Kerr, that would be a great Yeah, thing. I guess. And then if we recap on it, looking at losers in free agency, the Pistons, they made some really questionable moves. Obviously, they lost Christian Wood to the Rockets, but adding in a guy like Jeremy Grant, he's, he's a solid player, but they also added a few other players like Mason Plumley. And Jaleel Okafor, I think they're questionable moves moving forward. Hang on. All right, go again. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so the Pistons, I think they've added a few bigs, but moving forward, I don't think that's going to improve the team very much. Like, you lose a guy like Christian Wood who's a solid end, starting NBA standing, he's going to be good in the, on the Rockets, but I guess they haven't really improved. Some would say they've gotten worse. Like, they didn't really add much moving forward. Mm. My other question is, which team has made a massive improvement? I mean, I mean we've already touched on it, like the Hawks. Yeah, Atlanta, we like, we've covered a lot of the free agency already. Um, but in terms of that team that's made that big push, obviously Atlanta will go with them. Obviously, that they were obviously a low seed in the Eastern Conference this season, but adding a guy like Bogey and Gallo, they got Rondo and Chris Dunn as well. Those are uh, beneficial moves moving forward. They might not be thought of that much, but they're huge moves for them. That defense... And veteran leadership as well. Like obviously, Trey Young comes off. They could bring in Rondo, bring in Chris Dunn. I think they're big moves that aren't regarded as highly as some may see them. Um, as obviously they got Gallo, Bogey as well. So I think the big mover is obviously the Hawks. Like we've already touched on it, but it's nice to re- reiterate on it again. Like it's it's a huge move. Yeah. All right, that covers that. 
Which okay, which teams will be the dark horse? The dark horse. Dark horse. Um I guess I'll start yeah. first. I, I think Oklahoma City Thunder. Just because they added Al Horford. Yeah, they lost Chris Paul. Yes, they lose that leadership. They also lost Dennis Schroeder. But uh, but you gotta remember, they have Shay Gill. Absolutely, he emerged into a superstar last season. Like you saw him fit well with CP3, and he'll probably move to that point guard spot. There, it might bring in Lou Dort to play shooting guard. You saw his emergence in the bubble. Um, that's a really good team as well. That's, that's a nice one to pick up on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It's really up to them. And plus, you got Al Horford, who is a great leader because if you know your history, Al Horford led an Atlanta Hawks team that didn't have any stars at all. Of nearly like the whole starting five. That's right. They had four All-Stars in that season. They won, I think, 60 games, if I remember. Um, and I think his fit last season obviously didn't fit well with Philadelphia. Obviously, a guy like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. It didn't fit in that system, but I think moving to OKC, he'll be that veteran presence and he won't be, I guess, sharing the court with or sharing the paint anymore. Like, you're going to have Shea, Lou Dort as well. Um, I think they are asleep. That's a good one to touch on, yeah. Yeah, and... He's just a great leader, Al Horford. Obviously, with the Hawks, but also with Celtics. Yes, he was with Kyrie, but when Kyrie got injured during the playoffs, Al Horford led them. He allowed other players to emerge in their own. You saw the emergence of JC Tatum. Terry Rozier had big moments. So I think Absolutely. He led that team too. Like, he took that team to seven games with against LeBron James, like who was on a tear. During that playoffs, he was willing his Cavaliers to the promised land. But Horford's still a good player. I guess his value would have dipped a little bit this from this season's production. But that's no way just to sleep on him completely. Mm. Who's your team slash teams that will be a dark horse? I mean, obviously... We'll say again, we've touched on a lot of the teams, but I think a team that people haven't really taken much note of um, during free agency, obviously they're already a top team in the NBA, but the Celtics, obviously bringing in Tristan Thompson, the emergence of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think... It's a huge move for them. Like obviously they have Daniel Tice, Ennis Canner at that five spot last season, but I think Tristan Thompson is a legit NBA player, and he'll be a good center for them um, moving forward. That they've really lacked that since Horford left at the end of last season, and then signing Jeff Teague to be that backup point guard to Kemba. He's a nice backup. He he could start in some teams as well, but I think that's a nice move for them as well for the Celtics, but obviously they're less of a sleeper, but I guess in terms of free agency, people haven't taken much note of their moves. Mm. I think we covered that. When we come back, 
we are going to move on from a serious note as Cl- on the situation on Clay Thompson and how he should approach this when he returns to play when we come back. Welcome back. We move on from free agency and move on to a serious note. As Clay Thompson, the shooting guard from Golden State Warriors, tore his right Achilles tender during a workout with several NBA players last week in Southern California. The five-time All-Star underwent surgery to repair a torn right Achilles tender, the team said. Doc- Dr. Richard Fergal, a noted specialist on ankle injuries, performed the surgery in Los Angeles and it was considered a success. Thompson is expected to make a full recovery Although the Warriors, the Warriors will miss out on having Clay for the second straight season again. So, how will this impact the Warriors, knowing that they will be out, they will be without Clay Thompson? And how should Clay approach this when he returns to play? Okay, so I think with Golden State, right? This was announced, I think, bef- just before the draft, um, but it didn't really change too much. Who they're going to pick up? If they're not going to pick a shooting guard. Um, so they went with Wiseman. Um, I think obviously it's a significant loss again. Like thoughts go out to Clay and his family. Hope he and wish him a speedy recovery. But um, it's a huge loss for the Warriors. But obviously they took that into account and they traded for Kelly Oubre. Like uh, I think that's an underrated move. Of sorts, obviously, you lose a guy like Clay Thompson, but you bring in, I guess, not the same level of production, but Ubre is a legit NBA player as well. Um, either he or Wiggins can slide into that shooting guard role for Golden State moving forward for this season. But um, I think they've made moves to account for this. And as long as Clay comes back healthy and with the same production, Next season, potentially that starting five will be a good one moving forward. Obviously, you still got Steph Curry, like a future Hall of Famer. Um, then they'll probably have to slide either Wiggins or Uber to the bench next season with Clay's return, or maybe even trade him for an upgrade. Uh, small forward again, Wiggins or Uber. Power forward, you still got Draymond Green. I think he'll return to a star NBA player next season alongside Curry and Wiseman as well. His ability to distribute the ball is unmatched to, for his power forward position as well. And obviously you got young James Wiseman at the five. Um, I think they're still a good NBA team. Like Golden State, they'll definitely make the playoffs this season as long as they stay healthy. Um, they're one of the teams you just can't sleep on. Like look at the team that, Won the NBA a few years ago. They had Curry, Thompson, Harrison Barnes, and Draymond Green as their four main stars. Obviously, they had Iguodala off the bench, but I think this team is somewhat similar to that. Like before then, they hadn't really emerged as a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, they, got, they lost in the playoffs the year before 
But this is a similar year to that, I guess, earlier Warriors team before they came, the super team that we know today that a lot of people still have, I guess, fond memories and are quite against Golden State purely because of the moves they've made and the success they've had. People like generally lean towards hate when teams are doing well. But um, in terms of Clay, obviously he's going to have to sit down another year. His surgery was a success. Um, he should spend this year in recovery, physiotherapy, and trying to get himself right. Obviously we saw practice videos of him recovering from his ACL that put him out last season. Um, we saw videos of him over the off season, and he looked really good and he was ready to come back to create that super team again. Um, obviously now a fresh injury, I guess, take some time to for a bit of self, self-care. It's hard spending two years out of something that you love. Um, I think he should worry about getting himself right first and then as we get further into the season, uh, get yourself ready, start getting more involved, contact, training. Um, and then hopefully, if all goes well this season, he'll be able to return as good as ever at the start of next season. So, yeah, I think it's a significant loss, but it's something the Warriors have dealt really well with, with some moves, and we wish Clay all the best. Yeah. Um, praise to Clay Thompson. I mean, it's a tough injury. I mean, he was out for for the season a, a year ago, a season ago with his ACL. Now, he, now he just tore his right Achilles tendon, which, like you said, he went. It was a success. But the main thing for the Warriors is they got to think about a new offense now because one, they don't have that shooting any. They don't have that shooting once again. They got to refigure out like what offense they should do. I mean, they could bring in like a different offense, like a post-up offense with using wise men. Like he can be that production. Mm. He he can help them out. Yeah. Well, obviously, Steph Curry is still the superstar on the team. He's going to yeah. be that number one option. But I think um, obviously they will have to change their game again. Steve Kerr is a smart coach. He'll be able to innovate on the fly. Um, but I think what really benefits the Warriors, obviously this last season they had no Curry, no Thompson. They lost KD. Draymond spent some time on the sidelines. Um, I think the emergence of these bench pieces and rotational pieces moving forward, like Eric Pascal really emerged last season as a sleeper from the draft. Um, he sort of became that number one option without Curry. They had Damian Lee. I got, I got a guy like Kai Bowman who came off the bench at times for Golden State and really – benefited their offense. Like, obviously, they didn't win many games. They were the lowest team in the NBA. Um, But I guess that experience that they gained last season is going to be really helpful moving forward as well. Yeah. Like I said, they got a final offense. I suggested earlier going to the big men, maybe a re-emergence of big men. But also, they, they cannot do the fast-paced offense, running, go, relying on shooters now because they don't have clay. And also saying that them not having clay leaves a huge hole in that shooting. Le- mm. Shoot hole, a huge hole. You can't rely on an Andrew Wiggins because really he's not a scorer. 
He's free. He's not a three-point shooter. Same with Kelly Uber. He can be reliable, but not all the time. Not same with Draymond. He can't be reliable. So I think it will take some time to refigure the offense. But we all know Steve Kerr has a great mind when it comes to these situations. But also, how Clay? My suggestion for Clay. I know people might say he. Yeah, his injury was successful. But my my suggestion for Clay when he returns to play, maybe I might take Flack, maybe sit another year out just to be sure. I know Clay, he will work hard to come back and recover, but for him to come back from a serious injury, I think he should just take one more year off so he and just fully, fully recover because a ser- two serious injuries like that, it takes a while to recover. Not both physically and mentally, because some players, when they suffer a big injury during their careers, both mentally and physically, they're thinking in their heads, if I do this move again, what what's going to happen to me? Mm. You, saw, you saw what happened to Derek Rose. Yeah. Derek- that, that's a big take, yeah. Um, obviously, go Derek Rose, yeah. You saw what happened to Derek Rose. Obviously, when he did that move, which he always does and had no problem, that one move he did, it just unfortunately just re-injured him badly. That he wasn't—he was a show of his former self. He couldn't—he he can still do those moves, but those moves that he did, like in his prime days, he can't—he can no longer do because the injuries have affected him mentally and physically. Saying. If he does this move again, will this happen again? Will I land badly? So I think Clay should just take it slow, don't rush things, and yeah, just take it real slow, Clay. Because if he's ready, just take it real slow. I mean, yeah, that's a big take, but I think you sort of hit a good point there with that self doubt that starts to emerge um, following injuries. Like you can't do things again, and you might. Doubt yourself, you might, I guess, try not to be as free flowing. You're going to be more cautious. Obviously, we saw Gordon Hayward as well. Um, his first season back wasn't producing at the same level he was in Utah, and that was expected of him when he came to Boston. Um, I guess it's an interesting take. Uh, I think moving forward, Clay obviously got to focus on himself recovery, rehab, and all that. Um, yeah. And I think he should do what's best for him. Obviously, he's going to have it's up a lot to of good people. He's going to have a lot of good people around him talking to him and making sure he's doing the right thing for him moving forward to prolong his career. So whether that's coming back next season or setting out another season, I think all those decisions will come into consideration when deciding his next move. But I think just for now, just focus on himself, recovery, and wish him all the best. Welcome back to the Ballers Podcast. We are here to wrap things up, but Luke, you had something to say before we wrap up? Yeah, obviously, 
today the NBA announced a first few days of uh, the season. Obviously, they've got opening tip on opening night there. So you've got Golden State uh, traveling to Brooklyn to face the Nets. That's obviously going to be a big matchup. KD versus Golden State for the first time since he left at the end of last season. And obviously, the LA derby game between the Clippers and the Lakers. So the Lakers will once again start their title reign this season against their crosstown rivals. And then on night number two, you got two Eastern Conference powerhouses in Milwaukee and they'll travel to Boston to face the Celtics and then they'll be followed up by two younger teams, but who will make a lot of noise this season. The Mavericks travel to Phoenix to face Chris Paul, Devin Booker and the Suns for the first time. And then this year, Christmas Day, obviously another five-game blockbuster for NBA fans. Obviously, it's going to be starting off with the Pelicans and the Heat. Um, generally, Christmas Day, there's obviously a bit of feeling between games and a bit of meaning behind them. So I'm a bit confused about the Miami and uh, New Orleans game, but that's what the NBA has decided. The next game will be Golden State and the Bucks. Obviously, with Giannis, there's a lot of rumors surrounding him every day as we speak. Um, talk about him possibly joining Golden State. Uh, Steph trying to poach him, whether it's Giannis' Twitter, someone got hacked. You never know. That's the next game. Um, game three, KD and Kyrie will travel to Boston and take on the Celtics. Kyrie again is going to face Boston this time. Um, it's going to be another huge matchup between Eastern Conference, I guess, powerhouses again, top team in the East. Uh, then the Mavericks take on the Lakers. I think last season we saw the Mavericks were, the Mavericks were a legit contender. Um, they faced the champion Lakers on Christmas. And then it'll wrap up with the Clippers and the Nuggets. Obviously, the Clippers surrendered that 3-1 lead last season. So... Um, that'd be interesting to see how they go. Before we wrap up, let's play, we'll play. Have you heard of this game? Have you heard of this thing called Fifteen Dollars Build Dream Team? Yeah, man, I've seen those before. Yeah, so I've decided that we are, we have our own teams. Mm. We're gonna build our own fifteen dollar team. So. If you look at your document, yeah, we got a note here. Yeah, I got one for you, for Billy. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you can't go past AI. Um. He's an icon of the game, Hall of Famer. So that's that's where my five dollars is going to be. You got Mo Cheeks, um, a good ball distributor for that for that team for Philly. Obviously, in the eighties when they won the title. Um, we see we saw what AI did to get alongside Igadala in their time together. Um, sort of a go left. Actually, I'll, t- I'll take him beat as well. Um, so what's that six? Actually, never mind. I'll take Embiid at three dollars. I'll have to leave Iggy out. Obviously, you got a guy like Mo Cheeks can wow. distribute the ball. Um, and then. I guess with some wings, I'll go with Rocco and we'll go Bobby Jones. That's a nice mix of inside and out basketball. So you're not picking Dr. J? Or Rick. 
Watch out, play. I'm with Malone. Well, I mean, I had to make a choice. I I went with the answer. I had to go. You couldn't go past AI. So you got the answer, Mo Cheeks, and B. Is that what you said? That's what I said. And Rocco Bobby and Bobby Jones. Rocco and Bobby Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. My team. Yeah, you got Brooklyn Nets, man. You got. You said this was hard. Obviously, off you go. It is hard because the five dollar ones, all of them. I mean, we can take away Katie and Kyrie because one, they just only spent one season. But oh, Mahomes, I mean, you're gonna go past two future Hall of Famers, are you? Well, first of all, I'm gonna put my five dollars on Jason Kidd. Yeah, he's he's the reason why he made the Nets relevant again. He turned this team around from from being abysmal to contendership. That's my five dollars right there. Shit. Uh, uh, Drazen could have... Uh, I can't... I like Drazen. But I also like Dr. J. Oh, you only got $15, man. I wouldn't want to spend I know. I mean, if I spend $2 on Dr. J, that gives me 10 I also have like... I mean $2 on Dr. J? I mean, five. I said 5 You said 2 man. Oh, whatever. Yeah, if I spend like 5 that's $10. Mm-hmm. You know what? Sorry, Dr. J. I'm going to go with Vince Carter. You can't, you can't go against Vince. I mean, Vince, when he came to New Jersey, unstoppable. In that room. Unstoppable, obviously, with the poster he had on Alonzo Morning, which was pretty nasty. Yeah. Pretty na- nasty. Um, how much? Nine dollars. Okay. So, some people might question me. I'll, I'll go with Joe Johnson. No, I like that move. I think that's a good one. Obviously, you got outside shot and he can play uh, with and without the ball. That's a nice move, yeah. Yeah, Joe Johnson, obviously, with his years in Brooklyn, the first year, first, actually, yeah, the years he had in Brooklyn before like go- going out he had incredible moments um i need a big man shit i would go with marbury but i have guards already um shit i don't know is it just me or can we only see up to 2 dollars Is it only up to two dollars? Yeah, I can't see. I can't see the one dollar. Oh. All right. Let me load it up. Yeah, it's only up to two dollars. So it's it's hard. For... Um. Where am I? Where am I now? Twelve. Twelve dollars right now. Actually, take back Joe Johnson. I'll I'll get Derek Coleman for one reason only. He dunked on Shaq. He's the only one that dunked on Shaq. That's right. That's all right. That Joe Johnson. Then I'll put Stefan Marbury and Rick Barry, and that's my all-time starting five. Fuck, it was hard. So you went Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Derek Coleman. 
Derek Coleman, yep. Rick Barry, and Stefan Marbury. That's all right. That's another. Uh, I mean, I could do better. I'm, I'm still taking Philly in seven games. What Nets can beat your team? Oof. Dreaming, mate. Dreaming. Mm. Okay. Then. All right. We did our own teams. Now, I saw this on Bleachers Report's YouTube channel, and this interested me. This is the 21st century squad. So, if you look at this, there's really no... There's no bad choices here. There's no bad choices here, but I'll let you go first. Ooh. I mean, if you look at it, I don't need a point guard. I'm taking $5. I'll take LeBron. Obviously, you can't go past LeBron there. They're obviously, good choices at number five. Rest in peace, Kobe, Steph Curry, uh, Mr. Fundamental, Timmy Duncan, and obviously the pain beast in Shaq. But I think I'm going to spend $5 on LeBron. Obviously, he can play that three and the four, but I'll probably use him at the point guard position. At four dollars, uh, I gotta go past his all star. Gotta go with his all star teammate and Dwayne Wade. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, obviously you could go KD, but I think actually no, I'll swap that. I'll go with Kevin Durant. Uh, this, this is tough, man. I'm guessing our free knowledge is gonna pick AI. No, because I think I'm going to change it now. This is, this is hard. I'll put, I'll pick Chris Paul at four dollars. That way, it allows LeBron to play Chris up Paul. So you're passing up Dwayne Wade, KG, Yao. Even Yao was good before he got injury, injury problems. Yeah, but I think Chris Paul provides that shooting as well. Um. Oh, this is tough. Um. I'll take Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I'll take Kawhi, cool. provides the outside shot and defense. That allows me to go over the $1. I'll take Giannis. And then at $2, I'll take Ben Wallace. A paint, paint beast, lockdown. So you got LeBron James, mm-hmm. Chris Paul, yep. Kawhi Leonard, ben, Big Ben, yep. and Giannis. And Giannis. Not bad, not bad. Right. My turn. I hand it over to you. My turn. I'm going to take two five dollars. Going to get Kobe and LeBron. Oof. Obviously, we didn't get to see them face off in the finals, unfortunately. But obviously, we saw them as teammates in the Olympics. So those two. Um. This is easy for me, actually. So I'll take Tracy McGrady. Um, eleven dollars. Um, I'll take. T Max. LeBron's gonna play point. Kobe's gonna play guard. Uh, shooting guard. Actually, shooting guard. T Max is gonna play small forward, and he power forward. Hmm. I'm going to take Dirk Nowitzki. Mm. That gives me $14. And your $1? My $1. Derek Rose. So I got D Rose, 
Kobe, T-Mac, LeBron, and Dirk. That's He's got no true center, but that's okay. I mean, that team would work anyway. This Modern day, yeah. Yeah. All right. It looks like we're at a wrap now. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. This bottomless buckets podcast episode. Um, if you want, if you want more info, you can follow us on our social media, which is called Luke. Oh, yeah, bottomless bu- at underscore buckets on Instagram. You you heard that? All right, guys. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We don't know when we're gonna. Um, we'll probably make one before the tip off. But anyways, stay safe, stay humble, stay hungry. This is John. This is Luke. And we're signing out. Peace.